Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion this Thursday morning, May the 6th edition. It's so good to have each of you here. Thank you for being a part. Whether you're joining us on Facebook Live, YouTube, later during the day, podcast, I don't know, Pony Express, Pigeon Courier, however you're joining us. Jonathan, Roy, it's good to see you today. Thank you for being a part of this. Gene, Kathleen, can't rest. I have a place. God, what a great addition today. We're going to have a wonderful time with this. Be sure, be sure to share, share who you are, where you're from. Come out from the shadows, those cyberspace, social media shadows. Identify yourself and enjoy the fellowship of this MD family because we have, we have, uh, we have found that this place is that oasis. It is a place of rest during this crazy season that we're living in. Continue to pray for the Sackler family, the Porter family. How many needs, how great, great needs are amongst us. And uh, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the burden you carry. I'm thankful for the joy that you carry. It is our strength, the joy of the Lord. It is our strength. So thank you for being joyous and strengthening one another. So glad that you're here. I want you to just dive in and let's see what God has for us today. So Brenda, Karen, Donna, thank you for being here. Yesterday, I mentioned the importance of shalom, moving from suffering to shalom. And um, I started thinking about that. You, you may not have known what I meant. Shalom is rooted, as you probably know, in the Hebrew word for peace. But shalom is a concept. It means wholeness, soundness, health, safety, not temporary, but lasting. When Joseph quizzed his brethren in Egypt, they didn't know who he was. He, he asked them about their well-being. And he said, is your father well? And then he asked, um, he asked, is your dad still alive? And they answered, yes, our father's in good health. He's still alive. Those words, well-being, well, good health, they're all rooted in the same word, shalom. So shalom is not simply just a state of being. It's a place. It's a place that you arrive at a place of security and safety and contentment, a place that's only found in the shelter of the Most High God. Judges 6 says Gideon built an altar to God there, where? In the place where God met him. And you may remember he called the name of Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. God is my resting place. It's a place found in God. And I think we need to find that. We need to find that in this day and in this age. And so God impressed me late last night. This is what I'm supposed to talk to you about. I'm supposed to talk to you about the weariness of a world. I mean, we live in a health conscious world, 24 hour fitness centers, 24 hour sleep centers. We live in a place that health food shops live healthily, vitamin shops and uh, you can get a supplement for this and a 
supplement for that, but never more have we seen such a weary world than what we are right now. People are so very weary, so weary. I read a story a while back. It's a humorous story. I doubt if it's true. A frazzled young mother answered the phone and listened with relief to the voice in her ear when she heard her mom say, how are you, dear? What kind of day are you having? And she was just frazzled. She said, oh, mom, the baby, the baby won't eat. The washing machine's broken. I've not been able to get out of the house to shop. I I twisted my ankle. I've been hobbling around. And on top of that, the house is a mess. And we're supposed to have two couples over for dinner tonight. And immediately that voice on the other end of the phone took over, took charge. Now, dear, just stay calm. I want you to sit down, relax, close your eyes. I'll be over in a half an hour. Now, I'm going to do the shopping. I'm going to clean the house. I'll cook dinner for you. I'll take care of the baby when I get there. I'll, I'll, I'll call a repairman. I, I know someone who can get that washing machine fixed within the hour. In fact, I'm going to call George at the office and tell him he needs to get home and help you out for once in his life. And when the woman paused, the young mother said, George, who's George? The other voice said, well, that's your husband, dear. I said, mom, my husband's name's not George, it's Steve. The other voice said, well, is this two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. She said, no, it's not. I, I, I think you have the wrong number. The young mother paused, took a deep breath and said, um, does that mean you're not coming over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all get tired, don't we? We get so tired. I want you to listen to me carefully. The fatigue that we sometimes feel has nothing to do with mental or physical weariness. It's a spiritual one. It's a relational one. There is fuel we need on a fuel that we cannot get from supplements or even on a vacation. How many of you, hey, just out of curiosity, come on, MD family. How many of you are ready for a vacation? Would you just give me a thumbs up right now? I, I have told my wife, I feel like getting in a vehicle and just driving as far as I can drive and doing nothing but driving reading billboards, watching the lane, watching that little dashed yellow line just fly by. That's what I feel like doing. But you know what? Have you ever noticed that when you get back from a vacation, you feel a relief? It's like it's there's no place like home and like you've got to rest up from the vacation where you were supposed to rest. Can I get a witness to that? I we, We've got to find a fuel. We've got to find a fuel that can't be a once in a year or once every four or five months kind of thing in a vacation or a, a trip, a weekend trip. You've got to find a place in God, a shalom kind of place to be made whole and complete. I love what God told Moses in Exodus 33. The Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon the rock, a place by me. Can't rest. I have a place. That's what God is saying to MD family. So thank you for being a part of this. Colleen, thank you. Sterling, Elizabeth, good to see you. Don, Dan, good to see you. I, I, I want to talk about Moses today. And I want to talk about Elijah, two men who we see on a mountaintop with Jesus. That story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when Jesus went to the Mount of uh, 
transfiguration. He took with him Peter, James, John. Is Jesus praying? Boy, here's a powerful lesson. As he prayed, his countenance changed. His clothing gets white and begins to glisten. And then two men appear with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. And when we think of the great men of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, just they're way up there in the upper echelon. Moses, meek, timid man. Elijah, well, sort of volatile and mercurial. But they shared a lot of common characteristics. Both had a wilderness experience, shut off from everyone for an extended period of time. Both fasted 40 days in the Bible. We read that. Both grew depressed, discouraged, aggravated with the sins of God's people. Both came to a place where they wished to die. I don't know if they wanted to die, but that's the way they expressed it. Moses grew so depressed, he just wanted to give up. Elijah got so depressed, he asked God to kill him. That's pretty low. Both confronted sin. Both saw the judgment of God. Both saw the fire of God come down from heaven. Moses endured great opposition internally. He had his own personal speech impediment. He couldn't speak well. But God told him to speak before Pharaoh. God meets us in our weakest place to show himself strong and to bring glory to his name. That's the way he does it. Mary, June, Amanda, Stanley, that's how he does it. Elijah, too, endured great opposition in the form of Ahab and Jezebel and the host of false religion. Elijah got the place. He thought he was the only one worshiping God, loving God. Moses saw great miracles. He saw the Nile turn to blood, darkness in Egypt, light in Goshen, parting of the Red Sea, standing, sending the waters up like skyscrapers, opening up a dry path between. Elijah, too, saw great, great miracles. So many similarities between these two men. But there's one similarity that I want to fasten on. Both of them grew weary. Both of them grew fatigued. Both of them needed to find a place in God. Isn't it unusual that Jesus chose Moses and Elijah, two men who saw so much but grew so weary, to be with him on that mount just days before Calvary? Maybe maybe the Lord's trying to tell us, regardless of who you are, what you've done, what you've seen God do in the past, you're going to grow weary today. You're going to need some fuel. You're going to need some fuel. You need a place You need a refueling station. James 5 says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed in this beautiful verse. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. The earth brought forth fruit. Elijah. Elijah was this man of like passions as we are. He got tired. He grew very weary. Notice that the Bible speaks of Elijah's prayers there. And James said that he prayed a 63 word prayer. The fire fell. But when it came time to break the drought on the land, the Bible says he had to pray seven times. He kept sending his servant to verify that a cloud was on its way. It takes a whole lot more faith. Hear me carefully. It takes a whole lot more faith and perseverance to break a dry spell in your life than to see the fire fall, to be renewed, to find an oasis, to find that place in God. 
A momentary blessing can be had in the moment, but that life-changing, life-restoring, that transfiguring, that transforming power from a desert into a garden, it takes ongoing person. You've got to find that place. Moses was so weary of what the Bible called the murmuring, the complaining of the people. He He grew upset at Israel for her worshiping the golden calf. Yeah, Cindy, Tricia, he set a record. Oh my, he set a record breaking all time. He broke 10 commandments in the shortest amount of time of any human being. (laughs) Yeah, Moses understood something about himself. He knew that anger wasn't right. He knew the bitter and sweet water couldn't flow from the same fountain. He knew that. These two men, Elijah, Moses, had got weary. And if they grew weary, how much more shall you and me grow weary in this day? We live in a day of information overload. 20 years ago, they used to say enough data was created every day to fill seven complete sets of Encyclopedia Britannica. 10 years ago, the world's production of annual data and stored each year in digital format was about five exabytes, five trillion megabytes of data each year. Today, something like 400 exabytes each and every day. We are in an information overload, analysis paralysis, a feeling of being overwhelmed and overloaded. More than half of Americans say their brains cannot turn off at night. They continue to churn when they should be resting. A survey of 1,300 managers on four continents found us a third of them suffer intense stress caused by information overload. That's where we're at. And smartphones, oh, don't even get me started on smartphones, folks. I don't know if they're smart at all, and I don't know if they make us any smarter. Okay, it's poll time. I've got to take my glasses off. Lawanda, Cindy, Heather, Glenn, where I can see you real clearly here. i, I got to ask you a question. Poll time. Have smartphones made us terrible drivers or what? Can I get a witness to that? Can I get a witness to that? Have they made us terrible drivers? Greg Hardesty opened his AT&T phone bill a while back. The bill was 440 pages long. And it showed that his 13-year-old daughter had sent 14,528 text messages that one month. Greg laughed, thought it was a mistake, but it was actually no mistake. His 13-year-old daughter had indeed sent nearly 15,000 texts. That's about 500 a day, about one for every two minutes that she was awake. Now, the average teen sends about a tenth that many, about 1,700 or so in a 30-day period. When she was asked, why did you send 15,000 texts in a month? She said, I got a lot of friends. Yeah. Information overload, technology disruption, pandemic, social distancing, political upheaval. We grow weary, weary with a weariness that we can't cure. People are seeking gadgets to cure the stress caused by gadgets. But this weariness cannot be cured by a gadget. We need something else. We need a place to go to, not a spa, not a retreat, more than a momentary rest. We need a place in God. And there is a place of rest. Exodus 33 was a rough chapter. You see, when God told Moses, I have a place beside me, 
That was a rough chapter of the Bible. Israel had sinned in the previous chapter. Moses had broken the Ten Commandments. God was angry, refused to go with his people, threatened to consume his people with wrath. Moses sets up the trysting tent that you read about in the book on prayer and for people to seek God. The people throw down their jewelry at the base of the mountain and Moses went into the mountain and made a request to God. Show me your glory. I want to see your glory. And God said this, there is a place beside me. Can I tell you about that place? I, I, it's on a peak. It's higher than all else. Set your affections on things above. You see, your cure is elevation. When you get up high, you can see farther. Where there's no vision, we perish. We perish when we can't see. We perish when we live in the valley too long and live in the lowlands too long. We don't go high enough. When you get up high, the lowly things of this world are laid aside. On Pikes Peak in Colorado, there's warnings of snakes up to a certain line. When you get to a certain elevations, the snakes won't live there. The atmosphere is too thin. Imagine that. That one step, just one large step, you can cross over a snake line. Down here, they can hurt me. Down here, oh, Lucifer and can devour. But up there, I'm free. Parasites are a problem for eagles. When the eagle senses it's been overtaken by a parasite, um, bird experts tell us that the eagle's solution is to go higher. It's always its its solution to go higher. It can get into the cold, the oxygen-starved atmosphere. It will survive, but the parasites will die. Your answer is to find that place in God where the parasites die. It's to go higher. It's a place where you're free from your adversary. It's a place where the enemy cannot reach you. You are sheltered in the arms of God. There is a place. If you can't rest, God's got a place for you. Elijah called down fire. Elijah prayed seven times, the drought broke. Elijah raced from Carmel to Jezreel, 18 miles on foot. He outran those on horseback. But then we read that he falls into the pit of oppression and depression. But the Lord met him there and the angel fed him and said, rest. He woke up and the angel fed him again. And on the strength of that food, he would go 40 days. There is a place where you can be restored. Where did he go? Where did Elijah go? The Bible said he went to Mount Horeb. We don't really recognize the name of that. There's another name for Mount Horeb. It's Mount Sinai. It's the same mountain where God told Moses, I've got a place. You'll see my glory. The mountain where God met with weary Moses is the same mountain Elijah traveled over a hundred miles to get to that place. He needed to meet the God of the secret place. He went to the same cleft in the rock where God had made Moses stand. And when Moses had been on the mountain, there was fire, lightning, and storms, and God was in it. He was speaking to the meekest man of scripture. He was speaking to Moses in a loud and authoritative way. But when Elijah stood on the mountain, he perceived, God, you're not in the fire. You're not in the lightning. You're in the storm. You see, God came to the boldest man in scripture with a still small voice. That God knows you. He knows what you need. He meets you in that place. He knows your frame. He knows what we have need of. We need that secret place. We need a place all alone. 
with God. And when you get to that place, you're going to see his glory. Your face will be transformed. You're going to come down from that mountain glistening in the presence of God. It's in rest that you're going to see the path that you need to walk. In rest, you're going to find direction. I read somewhere that people grow old only by deserting their ideals, that we are not, we are not, um, if you took your birth certificate and then added how many years from that day, that's not really how old you are in God's sight. You, years may wrinkle the skin, but to give up your God-given goals and ideals, that's what wrinkles the soul. To hold on to what God gave you and the revelation and the testimony That's what will strengthen you and give you strength for the journey. Worry, self-doubt, self-distrust, inferiority, persecution, fear, despair. Those are long, long years that will bow your head and turn your growing spirit into dust. When Moses climbed in that place beside God and said, Lord, show me your glory. God said, I can't do it. Can't show you my glory, but I can show you the after effects of what will happen when my presence passes by. Some scholars, some scholars actually believe that God allowed Moses to see the future. He looked forward in time of one day sitting with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. There Moses really did see the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. It's called one of the prison epistles. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, while he was in prison, what did Paul say? Ephesians 2, 6. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm not in a prison cell. I'm in the secret place of the most high God. I'm in a heavenly place. If you can't find rest, God's got a place for you. Paul, how could you say that you were in prison? He said, no, my circumstances don't dictate my walk with God. I'm not looking at my circumstances. I'm living in that heavenly place. That's why John saw God while a prisoner on Patmos and Ezekiel found God while a prisoner in Babylon. And so did Daniel find him in Babylon. People who have the greatest visitations from God often go through some of the greatest trouble. When you need a refreshing, Come back to the place beside God. We only get weary. Hear me carefully. We only get weary when we don't know where God is. Find him. He invites you to a place beside him. So Catherine and Glenn, if you've grown weary today, if you're weary in well-doing, if you're weary in ill-doing, come to a place known and made available only by God. He's got this. He's got you covered. He is there for you. Kimberly, Vicki, God bless you. Say, sorry. May the Lord be with you today. Leave your prayer request. Encourage one another. And would you take a few moments, go find that place in God and let your strength be renewed. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. 
Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.